listening to Richmond Famous, a podcast about food, community, and culture in Richmond, Virginia. I'm Nicole Lang. I'm Laura Sand. Welcome to episode one, where Brittany Anderson is Richmond Famous. Wait, let me see. I think it's food, culture, and community, isn't it? Oh, we have on our Instagram. Oh, shoot. It should probably be the same. I mean, I guess that we could also just. So, Nicole, what is our podcast about? Well, it's about food, culture, and community, or maybe community and culture. As you can see, we're still figuring it out. We're exploring the format of the show, but you can expect interviews with people doing exciting stuff in food in Richmond. And we'll also sometimes have chats about topics near and dear to our heart, like pizza. What about cats? No cats? <laughs> Ooh, we could talk about cats. I really love... I will talk about cats any day with I know, anybody. I know you will. <laughs> Let me know if you want to hear about my cat sometime. Listeners, he's great. <laughs> you can keep up with what we're doing at richmondfamous.com, our website, or you can follow us on the Instagrams at rvafamous because someone who doesn't use Instagram has the Richmond Famous yeah, handle. They just have it sitting there with nothing Yeah, so if you know it, that person, yeah. convince them to give it to us, please. Yeah. And you can also sign up for our newsletter where we'll link to topics from the show, share stuff and things we're obsessing over, uh, Richmond related and otherwise. And so this is our first, very first episode. Are you excited? I am excited. Um, I'm um, nervous too. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully it comes out great and you guys love it. Um, But we had a really great time talking to Brittany Anderson. Yes. Yes, we did. So, um... Who is Brittany Anderson? She is the chef and co-owner of Metzger Bar and Butchery, Burner Pass, and Chairlift. She is also a native Richmonder, has competed on both Chopped and Iron Chef, the latter which just aired uh, last May, but you can definitely check it out on their website still, I think. Um, Uh, I think so, yeah. Uh, She's actually just an all-around badass, As you'll hear, she was once a young Tracy Flick wannabe going to camp in D.C. and dreaming of one day becoming a feminist lobbyist. (laughs) But we're so glad she chose the cooking life. (laughs) Um, Oh, she's also hosting Indie Chefs Week here in Richmond, August 23rd through the 26th. And tickets are on sale now, but they're going fast. Um, You will hear details in the show, but check her Instagram for the link. And here's Brittany. So you were you're from Richmond, or are you from Atlee, or where are you from? I, <laughs> I'm from <laughs> Richmond. I, I was born at Henrico Doctors Hospital. Oh, really? Yeah. And then I um, I lived. Where did I live? Um, in Richmond until I was about uh, 13, and then we moved to the Northern Neck, which is where my mom's from. Her family's from oh, there. Oh, I think I knew that. Yeah, and I just lived out there until. I went to high school out there and came back and graduated high school here in Richmond. Oh, you went to high school here? Oh, oh yeah. I'm so like, you like know. I know all these people. Oh, my huh? God. Yeah. I had no idea. But I feel like I don't hang out with people my age. I feel like at work, everybody's younger than me. When did you come back? I came back in 2012. Okay. Um, Straight from, from New York. New York from yeah. We we like it was almost like New York kicked us out. Like we. I know that feeling. Yeah. Well, so we went. Yeah. Oh my God! We all lived in New York. Yeah. Oh yeah. And got kicked out. <laughs> I uh, we had planned to move and we booked. I was catering on the side 
uh, and I had booked an event for like the night before the night before we had to drive back with all of our stuff and we were just going to sleep in the U-Haul after the event, oh, like cook everything in the ha- in my house, lock the apartment, pack all that stuff into the U-Haul, oh, go do God. the event with the U-Haul and then just drive. And, um, but the n- two nights before at my going away party, I got arrested and uh, we, it was at B-Side, like, you know, around oh, the yeah, corner from Northern Spy, which yeah. is like my favorite bar, my favorite dive bar. And um, they got me, they, my bosses went to Chinatown and they bought me uh, like uh, tons of food. Like we had like, it was like late night dim sum in B-Side. Oh, awesome. And then, you know, my cooks got me a bottle of scotch and they bought me all this vintage cast iron and it was a really amazing time. And then we left and we got in a cab and the cab driver went... I, I told he got on like the FDR. He did all kinds of crazy stuff. Drove the wrong way, took the wrong bridge, and I was like, "Stop! You know, let me out. You're going the wrong way." And he locked me in, me and my husband and my friend. And he locked the doors and like, "No, pay me." And I was like, "No, you went the wrong way." And so I called the police and they arrested me. So what? Oh yeah, they arrested me. I mean, I was a little inebriated. Right, I'm sure. That you were <laughs> but, um, but that's. Odd. Yeah, and Chell and I and my friend Amanda, we were... Wait, they just arrested you, not Chell? No, all three of us went to the tombs. We were there for two days. And two then, days? Yeah, and um, at first, you know, we were like, whatever. Like, we were, like, doing yoga. We were, like, trying to, like, <laughs> be calm. Oh, my and, gosh. Like, and we were in our own cells at first in Chinatown um, at their precinct. But then they are like, you're just going to go see a judge. And then he takes us to this other place... And the whole time the cops are giving the other cops shit, they're like, you, you know, why'd you arrest these guys? You fucking idiot. You know, you're gonna have so many, um, so much paperwork. But anyway, they did not take us to the judge. We went to the other jail where they like made us like take our clothes off and stuff. Oh, the horror. And then we were in a group cell with like 50 women. But they lost Chell's name. He got stuck. I got out, waited at that Starbucks on on center street for him to get out forever. Cause I didn't have my keys. Yeah. We go to the precinct to get our stuff after he gets out and they had taken all of my, they, they had taken my scotch out of my belongings and put an eight by 10 picture of it in my bag. And it was what? sitting on the cop who arrested me's desk. Oh, it was terrible. Anyway, went left jail, went back to the apartment, did had to go to Fairway and buy all the stuff for the catering oh. gig because I couldn't order it. And then At least I, you got out for the gig. I got out of the jail. <laughs> I am cooking and crying, like trying to go to the, you know, get this stuff ready for this party. And my husband comes in. He's like, you don't want to, you, you're not going to want to listen to me on this, but something bad happened. And I was like, what? While we were gone, someone had broken into our car. And stolen all my vintage cast iron that they got oh my God. out of the trunk of the Oldsmobile, you know. Just only in just New York that. I mean, there's nothing in there that was that worth out. anything. I'm sure they just threw it in the trash can somewhere. I'm like, it was heavy. Like that's a lot to carry. Anyway, did the catering gig, drove oh the God. car with the busted out window and the U-Haul back to Richmond, and I've been here ever since. So. <laughs> Holy cow. They that, really did kick you out. Yeah. yeah I thought that, we were not, joking. Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah. my story is I, I kind of left of my own volition. But that, that I mean, shit. <laughs> it's a good story, it though. It is. But it was not I mean, fun. had it, were you not scared? I would have been, I would have been scared. I would have been so scared. I, I was drunk for a bit of it, you yeah. know, like for the, and then I, I feel like I slept and I had my friend with me, so yeah. that was helpful. Yeah. 
It was a little weird. It's I had probably a... worse for Chell, I imagine. Oh, he has far worse stories. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. That was not... I mean, mine was just, like, girls who, like, jump turnstiles. Right. Um, some bad check riders. Right. Some ladies of the night, mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, it wasn't... Everybody was pretty nice. Yeah. No one's super scary. No. So, now that you're out of jail and in Richmond, where in the city do you like to eat? I mean, obviously, like everyone else, I go to Fotato. Um a lot, probably once or twice a week. Um, and I'll fight for that one. I think it's the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Wait, what's the other one that people... Foso one. Okay, yeah. The broth is brown. I'm like... And it's sweet. It's too sweet, in my opinion. Inelegant. Um, but I also go to... Um, I love pozole. I love soup. Like, soup is, like, my favorite thing. And so I go to this place called... Um, shoot. La Cabana. It's on Staples Mill and Glenside. It's over there. And um, there's another one. Oh, Shelly's. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is really close to La Cabana. They're like around the corner. And I go to Nota Bene a lot. Oh, see, that, that I love Nota Bene. And even though it's right down the road, it kind of slipped through my fingers. I just forget to go there and yeah. I feel bad about it. It's like right down the hill from Metzger, so if I get out early, I'll go down there and get a pizza. And the wine list there is nuts. Yeah. It's gotten really big and crazy. Really? really? Yeah. Who's in charge of it? Randy. Dude, Randy, I actually had a beer with him last night. He is doing the wine list there. He's, he's got his level one. He's what? Like, yeah. He's doing like, he comes from the kitchen to do wine service for guests. Wow. And um, so he does when all the wine. When did this happen? And he buys all the beer and he does the kitchen. I'm not sure how long it's been going on, but the I was in there Friday, last week maybe, and um, the wine list is like five pages now. Whoa. And it's like mostly natural, biodynamic, organic. Holy cow. So cool. it's really cool. Yeah. Wow. If you want to drink some weird wines. Yeah. They have some Always. cool ones. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. And, I mean, it's fun. Get a pizza, drink some wine. I love or a it. pasta, or those snacks. Right. Honestly, snacks. he's doing food really, I, I think he's at the top of his game right now. Wow. That's good to know. So, so you, like, you know, not to put you in a, put you on the spot, but, like, if you had to pick, like, chefs that you're super into right now in Richmond, he'd be... Yeah, I think he's, like... I mean, he's a friend of mine. We cooked together at Patina Grill in the early 2000s. It was my first cooking job. Um, and he was a sous chef then. Him and I are the same age. He, he's just been cooking for a lot a longer than me. I was front of house before I ever was um, back of house. So um, I think, like, he, I don't know. He's, he's making food that I want to eat, you know? And it's really, like, simple. It's not fussy. It's not trying to be a thing or a genre. It's just... It's just delicious. Um, I like what he's doing a lot. Um, I'm also really excited about Long Oven and um, Andrew and Patrick and uh, Megan to see what they do. What, um, and I know you've had this question a thousand times, but I've never asked her, (laughs) um, why German and why Alpine? I, well, it was not really like a, wasn't really a thought out thing. <laughs> it was like, I mean, when we opened Metzger, we did it for so little money and like very, it was my first, like, it was my first thing. The first time I've ever really been, I'd been um, a sous chef for a really long time, but I hadn't had a lot of time to run my own kitchen, just me. Um, so it was definitely like, 
I just was like, hey, let's do that. Let's make this food because I liked it. And uh, Brad owned the sausage company. So I had been making a lot of sausages with him and doing a lot of butchery. And that's just kind of where it went. It was supposed to just be sausage, like sandwich place. And if you look at our opening menu, it like blows my mind. I like can't believe that that's we just sold like three sausages on a board with some mustard. Oh, like, I remember that. Do you that. remember that? But, yeah, but Rich, I feel like no one else was really doing that. Any, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was really like, meat centric. It seems it might seem funny now, but at the time it was like, oh yeah, like this is <laughs> this is awesome. Let's go there. Oh, we had that big fried chicken liver sandwich. Oh man, which I really liked, but nobody bought it. The um, the chicken liver there. Oh, the moose. Oh yeah. I uh I don't I don't think I'll ever not be able to put that on a menu like that's like my thing you, that chicken there's liver. like honey and riesling in it or no yeah. I, yeah honey and riesling and bacon that is Ooh. like my and I remember I just lust after that stuff man I haven't had it in a long time either we have it on both menus on the charcuterie board at both places um, but it's actually going on the Brenner menu right now for a like a crostini oh cool yeah like how do you feel about uh being the first restaurant that was reviewed nationally on Eater in the city. <laughs> oh, it was really cool with when Met when the Metzger one happened. Like it was, it was so cool. And I like I love Metzger and the food I get to do at Metzger is still like really like close to me and personal. So it was just it was really nice um, to get recognized that way and also to have feedback from someone who is outside the community. Yes, yeah. and who is so. Uh, well, like such a, you know, has eaten at many, many places while traveled and uh, so smart about food. So that is not something that happens often. Richmond doesn't have a very, in my opinion, a very good critic scene. That's something so, we want to talk about too. Yeah. Well. And, and it, it benefits all of us, uh, us as chefs, to have a better critic scene because it makes us better. And if we don't have someone telling us what's wrong, then you never know. So I'm, I'm into it. Um, so what did you think of his most recent review of Brenner? Of Brenner. Um, I thought it was good. One of the things I thought was interesting is he, he really wanted it to be more alpine But if you go to Metzger, it's not German, just German food either. And it's unfortunate that both times he's come has been in March, which is, in my opinion, the worst month of the year in for Richmond food. for food. Mm-hmm. We don't have any seasonal products. There's nothing local. There's no f- nothing growing. You're at the dead end of your winter menu and you hate it. And you're really ready to start spring, which we launched, you know, two like weeks. Like right after. After yeah. that came out. So it's a bummer that, like, things weren't all perfect. But, um, and I wasn't there. So that's the other thing. First time I've been reviewed when I'm not there. Because um, I was always at Metzger. But now I have to split my time and it's a lot harder. Um, seriously, owning two restaurants is the fucking worst. Can so <laughs> talk more about that? So, like, what has been different for you now that you have uh, these two places and you can't have your hands in both at the yeah. same time? And staffing is different because, like, at... At Metzger, I was just with the same guys every day. Gals, really. Most of them were girls. But, um, and we were close. We were really tight. And I didn't have to worry about, you know, if there was something wrong, I just said it. Whereas now, it's much bigger team. Brenner's huge. And it's a different guest. It's a different, um, it's just different. Like, Brenner's like a hundred times different than Metzger. So, Managing both places is really like can be challenging and also letting other people do stuff is really hard for me um, But I, I'm lucky I have I just promoted um, one of my sous chefs to CDC at Brenner and 
Um, his name is Mike Ashley, and he's wonderful. He's been with me for like four years. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's been good. Um, and, you know, I know we've been open almost a year in June at Brenner, but it still feels like three months. Uh-huh. I still feel like I am figuring it out there. Right. Well, like, but you you are learning. Like you've just said, you know, you're learning how to yeah. delegate and this. And I've never run a restaurant that big. Right. All my restaurants that I've ever, you know, well, I mean, I had very little to do with anything at Blue Village's Chef Peas. You know what I mean? But every restaurant that I've worked in since that has been under 50 seats so or under 60 until Brenner, which is a beast and has a private dining room and has like just so much. Yeah. Which is great. It's just, yeah, it's definitely a learning curve. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that culture that you've cultivated at Metzger, uh, specifically, but it sounds like, um, Brenner might be a little bit of a different beast. Um, I feel like it's so family oriented, there at Metzger and uh, you know like you just said with your girls Mm -hmm. and it's so inclusive and one of the things that I notice about you as a chef in this community is you're constantly lifting your people up you're constantly putting your people at the front you're thanking them just like for no reason just it's a Tuesday thank you wonderful human that we're in you don't see that a lot and I know you know a lot of people do whatever you know some people are more social media prone than others but I imagine that that is just in your DNA as as a chef and as a chef owner. Well, at Metzger, it really was, like, I worked that line every day for, you know, two years until I was kind of able to be a little bit more in the expediter role and do a little more, you know, other stuff and start planning Brenner. So my opening team I was very, very close with. I did nothing but hang out with them or work with them. Um, that was Mike who still works for me, mm-hmm. um, Kylie Galately, who unfortunately is in Vermont now, um, but she was wonderful, and Olivia, who is my co-owner now at Brenner. Um, and um, we just grew really close, and then, and I realized that I can't do any of that without, I can't do anything I want to do or even have a restaurant without them. And their success is my success. And we were, t- I was talking today about, um, some of the wage discrepancies with like restaurants just because I've been hiring people and we were talking about like how restaurants that are much larger and do but don't you know I wouldn't say like not chefy restaurants you know like big turn and burn mm-hmm. restaurants or even like takeout places or things like that that just have really low food costs but in high volume those places can afford to pay their cooks a lot more money um but the cooks at those places aren't people usually who are, you know, a lot of times it's college kids, it's yeah, part-time job. Yeah, they're not as job. skilled, they don't right. have the experience. And they're probably, it's not maybe a career forever, or maybe it is for some, but, and then restaurants like mine um, tend to have higher food costs, um, need more labor, and can't necessarily pay and compete with that same, with those other large restaurants um, in like hourly rates, and, and with healthcare and benefits and all that stuff. So... For me, I w- if I can't give you those things, I'd like to give you something that makes you really happy to come to work and makes you want to stay there and not leave. So, I mean, I think that's the goal. I know how I would want to feel as a cook and how I felt before when it's shitty. Um, so I think that's the goal. And, like, you know, I'm not, I don't always get it right. Like, I lose people and I lose my temper. and You know what I mean? But... I feel like when people are honest and vulnerable, that's when people are at their best. And if we can be that way with all of our 
staff and with you know our our partners and I think you'll be happier and no kitchen is a Shangri-La but if it's not a comfortable place to right. be then you're just like fuck this and that's your first yeah. the first thing you want you know is comfort and then after that like to me I want my cooks to be learning something every day that's what they are that's what they are they're getting less they're getting paid less money to work for me in order to do that right so if I can try to do that if we can you know two restaurants obviously it's harder and you have to like rely on the people who know you or who work for you to teach those things to them but I think teaching is important I mean bro culture I've worked in a lot of kitchens and it's always been around yeah um here in Richmond included I mean when I first moved back and I was first meeting like some of the chef guys here in town one of them said to me that they'd never seen a woman cook be uh good on a line Wow. And um, I was like, are you serious? And he's like, no, never saw it before. I was like, do you want me to come over and work a shift? Because I can if you want to see it. If it's like <laughs> something you're interested in. Um, and it was genuinely, like, it wasn't meant, it was genuinely said, like, in a way, like, like, I just haven't. You know what I mean? And I hear from a lot of male chefs in Richmond, they're like, I just don't get female applicants. Which is possible, but that's because they don't believe that your space is a place they want to be. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I get a million female applicants because they want to work for me because they feel like it's a safe space. And I wouldn't say just women, but also transgender people, also queer people, like, because we just won't stand for any other, like, any bullshit. Yeah. Whereas I don't know that that's the case. And I don't think that many other chefs have been that vocal about it. You have to be vocal about it if you want people to know. Especially now you know. in the climate right now in this country, I really feel like you can't just, like, I have a business. I want everybody to come to it. I have no values. Right. You know, yeah. like, you need to, it, now is the time to, I mean, whatever, it's always been the time. But specifically right now, it would help the world out if people could just be like, these are my values. Yes. This is my place. This is how I run it. You know, you're not going to be... You're not going to feel unsafe. You're not going to feel railroaded or or uh, sexualized or exploited or you know all that. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine like thinking about all the people that that work in kitchens across this country, especially in like urban hubs, like the horror show that it must be for people who can't speak up. Oh right. You know. I mean, if you just think about the amount of restaurants, and I think sometimes we live in a little bubble of like, you know, the good restaurants. You know, where you go here in Richmond. But, I mean, there's a lot more out yeah. there. And I've worked in TGI Fridays. I've worked at BW. I've worked in these restaurants like that. That's where I've seen some of the worst behavior. Um, that's where, and those, the most people who work in this industry work in places like that. Yeah. And that's where I think things are, and they're not even, in that. they're not even being brought into the fold with this conversation, I feel like, a lot of times. But you, the, no, you're right. And, and it's odd because those are the places sometimes, or I would assume, that have HR yeah, they do. yeah, they've I'm got sure. headquarters yeah. and yeah. stuff, but but uh, the people that are marginalized in those kitchens and or you know in those uh, dining rooms don't. That's not even. They yeah. just it's not even a thought that they're like whatever. I need this job. Especially, I think um, protection from guests in situations. Oh yeah, in those big restaurants can yeah. be a real thing. And um, I this isn't out in the open yet, but Susan and I've been planning a um, a seminar series for restaurant owners, workers, and um, community, whatever, to learn about sexual harassment and to in the workplace and to learn how to stop it. And then also, I just want to provide my, my employees with like 
the tools to be to tell someone you know I want them to know like if you don't want to talk to me that's fine but here's the number you call can you talk about May 24th what's May 24th television oh May 16th oh, oh what? I thought it was the 24th oh I don't know I think it's the 16th but you can I, talk about it tell, yeah, I tell can, everyone what we're talking uh, about okay so yes I did Iron Chef America it was really fun yeah. um I've been like saying no to it for years and I and Audie, my my partner's wife, saw like someone had hostess had written like a note, and um, was like Brittany Iron Chef called again, blah blah blah, and I was like, Ugh. yeah, and uh, I get it. Audie was like, what? Why wouldn't you do that? And I was like, I don't know, like, and I I had done Chopped when I was a sous chef in New York. I remember and, watching it. Yeah, it was it's ridiculous, uh, and it's just it's hard and it's not that fun. Yeah, and it's like who wants to cook with gummy bears? You know, like I don't really want to do that. And um, so I didn't look at my time on, like, doing television fondly. It wasn't something I really wanted to do again. But uh, Audie was like, I mean, do you not like money? Like, you should probably do it. And then, like, maybe people will want to come and eat at the restaurants more. Maybe you'll get some more butts and seats. And I was like, you're right. I'll do pretty much anything to get butts and seats. So um, I said yes. And we did a little Skype interview. And then... um, I took uh, my sous chef Lily and my CDC Mike to um, LA, and we filmed in January. And yeah. how was that experience different than Chopped? So much better than Chopped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much better. I mean, they had hair and makeup, so it was nice to like. Yeah, I felt fancy, and then um, Chopped is in New York. I filmed that in New York, yeah. yeah, and this was in LA, and you know it was fun to go on a little trip with my my cooks and. We got to eat out and went to some cool places, and um, we had a good time. It was fun. And, well, it's crazy because, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about all of the details, but training for it and, like, cooking in that in an hour and putting up five dishes, and it really brought us closer and made us better cooks. So it was a good thing. We've been talking for quite a while now, and I think we have just, like, I guess we could call it, like, lightning round style questions. Yeah. Um, that we, I don't know. I mean, this is the first show. You're really, you're just setting it. We're setting it from this. So we'll see how it goes. Do you have a motto? Rustic and sexy. (laughs) Whoa, that was, she had that ready to go. Yeah. It's rustic and sexy. Rustic and sexy. So why is that your motto? Yeah. That's just what we try to do with the food. That's what, like when something is like kind of messed up or whatever, you're like, it's rustic, but it's sexy. So I love that. We joke about getting tramp stamps that say rustic (laughs) and sexy. Um, or I don't know, one day I'll convince somebody to get rustic and sexy. Um, wow, that was great. Um, okay, so what, um, what, we were talking about this earlier before you got here, um, what cooking, what product, food product or, uh, cooking utensil can you not live without? Or actually it could be anything. It could be like Google Home, which I'm sure you can live without. (laughs) (laughs) What is Google Home? I don't know what anything is. I'm sorry. We have to say that for an entirely different episode. Yeah, I only know about, I only know about, like, restaurant world. Um, Probably, it's hard, but I would say our our meat pounder. Um, We have, like, this big, it's like a giant machine, and we, you know, we sell so much schnitzel. Right. So, we... Oh, wait, so it's not just, like... Oh, my God, no. If we pounded it by hand, (laughs) it would take so long. Oh, this is so amazing to visualize. So, it's, like, a. it looks like a... mm, I'm trying to think of an... I guess it's just a big metal box, 
and then it has like teeth that go inside and these grinders like this that are like if you suck your hand in there it would be bad um and you just you cut your portions and you roll them through and it it's kind of oh like, so the meat enters oh. from the top yeah the meat and it goes through um it, it has like rolls bars, rolls through and then comes out in the bottom we run it through five times you're wondering wow. the thickness of our schnitzel but wow. yeah that thing when it goes out or when we break teeth on the combs that go in it it's then we have to use the pounder and everyone hates me until I get it fixed. But yeah, that's probably the thing. Metzger, at least. Um, okay, next one. one. What did you? That's what I was gonna ask. Um, first, did you think you were gonna be a cook when you were growing up? No. And what did you want to be? Oh man. I well in high school I wanted to be a politician. I wanted to, I was really into politics and I was really into like... Were you like in student government? Yeah, I was in student government. I was like, I was, I was a cheerleader. I was like very like Tracy Flick in election, like super type A. And then, um, so yeah, I wanted to like be a lawyer and write and, you know, I had dreams of being like a feminist. Like, this is true. I like wrote like feminist lobbyist or something like that and which <laughs> makes awesome. no sense now I'm like who is I, who would I be lobbying for all the feminists but uh, I think we need some of those I have like collages yeah. like with Delia's cutouts and then like that's in the middle <laughs> like wow. I, I was like a, I did Washington workshops and um, worked in DC and like, for summer camp like wow. Every year. wow so second part of this question what would you be doing if you weren't doing this now it can be the same answer. No, it wouldn't be. I don't think I would want to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> I, since owning restaurants, like, I don't have a PR person, and I never really had help with any of that, but I really enjoy it. You are so good at it. Oh, thank you. I, I enjoy it. You're good at it. I like, I like doing press, and I like um, social media, and I like uh, putting together, like, little campaigns and events and stuff like that. So I think I'd probably do PR and marketing. Yeah. I finally like this year. Um, uh, one of a person on my staff has taken has started to help me a little bit with social media, and it's been the best thing to ever happen to me. Because I used to travel. Like if I was traveling, I would have to like, I like you know I want to post on schedule and have like things coming up, and I would have to like do it all the time for the restaurants, and it was just getting really challenging. And um, Mel Calabro, she's a wonderful photographer, and oh, she Mel from from uh, Jefferson. I mean from Lemaire. No, no um, she used to work at Ledbury. She has her own. Um, oh, 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 okay. You know, yes, I know, I know. Ma- Ma- Marty knows her. Yeah, I she's wonderful, and she um, is a really great photographer. She started doing all of our food photos and helping with all of that stuff, and she's been incredible. I feel very lucky. Yeah, well, yeah. it's you do a great job, and it's it's so hard. I feel that a lot of people are challenged in that respect because you don't have the time if you're an owner chef uh, to be you know on Instagram all day right and you also need to have your voice out there Mm -hmm. you know and need if if you're gonna put that on someone else they need to completely understand your voice you know which is hard yeah it's hard I mean I like have people send me like we'll post and I'll delete it I'm like (laughs) no that's not us you know oh yeah well that's good Um, I mean it is good I follow your Instagram stories and I feel like you know it, it, it is really important for the face and, and the ownership to have a little bit to do with that for sure. I think. And I think you have to decide. I mean, it's just the world we live in. You have yeah. to. You have but to not all chefs care about it. No, but, that's know, true. But I feel like I've got one shot and I want to push it as hard as I can and take every opportunity for people to get to know me and 
know my restaurants and want to come in and eat there. Like, I don't think it's not the same as it used to be where like you could have a restaurant that just exists forever and you don't have to do anything and people just come because there's a lot of competition now. Yeah, and, especially here. Yeah. And I feel like so often guests don't understand that there's a real human being who actually owns the place and is there. And every time you eat somewhere, I feel like anywhere really, the person cooking your food cares about it. Like they are literally not doing that job to do a bad job. You know, they're trying. And I feel like guests don't think that or think that it, you know, that somebody didn't put some care and thought into what they're right. giving you. And so the more my face is out there, the more my guests are like, oh, yeah, that's a human. That's yep. a person. She's here. We are going to treat, like, I feel like there's, like, a level of respect that maybe gets missed sometimes. So I like to put a face to it for people. Yeah, no, it's. I think that, that that's really helpful. And like I said, in this world today, you, you honestly... You just have to, you have to do it. It's a fact of life. You have to either do it or pay somebody yeah. to do it. Yeah. Or I guess you could just not do it and then, you know, your you restaurant <laughs> just it lies in obscurity. Yeah. I mean, whatever. People well, still come to the same places they've always come to. When I when I said, oh yeah, especially here in Richmond, I thought, oh wait, but we're so small still. Like, honestly. And I had this conversation with, with Nathan, um, Nathan Conway, uh, co-owner of both Metzger and uh, Brenner. Uh, we were saying... In the grand scheme of things, like how many independent, higher end dining establishments are really here? Not that many. Not yeah. that many. Yeah. You know, so we're still growing, but in terms of Richmond today and Richmond seven years ago, which is, you know, all I have to reference. Actually, that's not true. I came here in 2006, so it's getting to be a longer time. But it's night and day. Yeah. I mean. Oh, yeah. It's, it's night, night and day. day since 2009, which is when I left. Yeah. Yeah, when I left here, it was like there was just nothing. And then I remember when the Roosevelt opened, I was in, I was living in New York, and I had come down, and uh, I ate at the Roosevelt, and I was like, oh, okay, Richmond is coming back. You know, I'm like, this is cool. Like, this is where I want to hang out. and um, And it made it having restaurants like that make Richmond feel like an actual place. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you go to... Not just a Confederate history yeah, stop. It really feels like a place. A Civil like, War trail. That's what the restaurants in Richmond are like. You know, I want that to be a thing. Like, whereas you can... You know, Nashville has its own food culture. Asheville has its own... I want Richmond to have its own food culture and people to know, like, that's what Richmond's like. Is that yeah. why you came back? I mean, aside from getting arrested and... <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I came back because it's prohibitively expensive to own a restaurant in New York City. Yeah. And, you and to live in New York City. Or to do anything in New York and, City. And um, I knew, I mean, if I would stayed, I could have taken an executive chef job somewhere and made some money um, for, which would have been great for myself at 20, what was I? I was 30 when I left. Um, but I, I don't know. It wouldn't have been, it just, I felt like I was just dragging out an inevitable thing. Um, so... I mean, I love Richmond. I think it's a really cool place to live. And, and more now than I did when I moved back. But now, I feel like in the since I've been back, which is, what is it, five years? Uh, six years? I've been back six years. No, 2012. 2012. So I've been back for six years. And I think, like, the amount of people, like, cool people moving here or coming back here, I feel like this city is inundated with really bright, young, creative people. I I think more restaurants are going to open up here from people from other cities coming here. I know of at least two that are hoped for, planned, sort of. Excellent. Yeah, that's what we need. I want more chefs to come here.
Richmond right now, everybody's hiring. Yeah. It's rough. It's scarce. Yeah. Higher level, when you find them, I don't let them go because there's not many of them. People, you know, random cooks come and go. Yeah, yeah. But when you find like someone who wants to do this forever, it's like, please stay with me forever. Mm-hmm. How can how can we attract young upstarts, you know, that that wanna do good work? I think we're starting to, to though. To I do. Um, I recently hired a guy from Baltimore who's uh, been cooking there for a long time, and he wants to move to Richmond. And I think that it's that is our city is a draw. The, it's affordable to live here and be a cook. I do think we have to grow with what we offer our staff. I know there's places that I could work on this. Like, I'd love to offer more benefits, mm-hmm. and I'd love to um, pay them more money. But it's it's a challenge, as with affordability in the city, is people not wanting to spend money for what food costs. And, you know, nobody is trying to play a joke on you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. every, that's how much it costs, and then I have to mark it up in order to pay everyone who's there and pay the rent and pay the you know, and I feel like Richmond is just they still think they should be able to go out and eat you sometimes know, under thirty bucks. It's like tooth and nail, and I you know I wonder, um, you know, you mentioned Long Love, and I wonder is is Richmond ready for that kind of dining experience that they're going to offer? Well, I don't I don't think they're just offering that. It's full a la carte menu and then oh, there's a well, tasting okay. menu. Yeah. I, ha- I haven't talked to those yeah. guys in a while. I think. I mean, if I'm... I think so. That they've got a, a tasting menu, but also... And, you know, I, I don't think that that's, like, out of our grasp either, mm-hmm. you know? I, I mean, I think that that those restaurants, maybe, maybe not restaurants, but, uh, you know, one or two of those types of places, you know, I'm thinking, uh, like, like Catbird... Yeah, you know, that type of thing. I know. I feel like our city needs a catbird. Too. Can mm-hmm. can exist here. I just you know I wonder if we're ready for it. I think I think that we totally are. I always say, if you make something totally fucking awesome, people are gonna come there and it's not gonna close. If it is gonna close and you're then there then you're not doing something right. Yeah, there's something wrong, and it's either it's maybe it's your fault, maybe it's not, but. You know, I don't think it's just, like, great places just close. You know, there's something wrong. So, I think Richmond's ready for it. I think we need more places like that to normalize it. Yeah. You know, to make people... Like, I can't stand that people think, like, like Metzger's a special occasion restaurant or something. You know, or people think they can't eat food like that on a Tuesday. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you can eat this whenever Every you want. want. <laughs> um, it's not... It doesn't have to be your birthday. Right. Uh, that's what is interesting to me. And then also, Richmond doesn't have a real fine dining restaurant. Nobody, there's no place you have to wear a jacket. You know what I True. mean? True. Yeah. Did, did you used it to? It used to be La Mer. You right, did, you but, did. They, but they made it casual. Yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, I think the trend of the world with that stuff. But I still kind of long for a real fancy place. <laughs> so, um, before we let you go, I've got one question uh, and or maybe do you have anything? Yeah, but okay. you go first. You go okay. First. So, um, where, what's like in the future? That I mean, that's. Oh. <laughs> Are you gonna grow an empire? Is that like your? I have two more things I want to do, and I, like, I'm my friend Michelle Williams who owns. I think she's at like ten restaurants yeah. right now. Um, God bless her. I, after opening Brenner, doing two is is hard. Can't imagine it. Um. And it's, I always feel like my brain's all over the place, but it's starting to mellow out a bit. But, um, 
I want to do um, a bar. I want to do a, a bar with like small plates. I recently was in Charleston, South Carolina, and I ate at this place, Restaurant 2. It's the Zaobao guys. Mm-hmm. It's their second place. And I loved it. I just love the idea of like, here's small plates, what I want to cook today, and that's that. And there's like 10 things. And then enjoy the bar, have some cocktails. So that's kind of what I want to do. I want to not be beholden to a theme or a style. I just want to cook. And the like answer- when I travel and do big events, mm-hmm. like I just cook whatever I want. So I kind of want to be able to do that at a place here. Uh, these are all the things we've been discussing, like like a place like Capper's Cedar, like a, a bar where like you don't know what you're going to get. Just come in and, and figure it out. Yeah. And yeah. it'll be good. You know, don't. there's no website. Don't look ahead. You yeah, know, and you don't have to be in whatever the mood for like a thing. Yeah. It's like... You'll find I, I really look forward to, to seeing the scene grow and include different spots like that. Yeah. You know, because there it's like a whole it's a whole world out there. We can we can have it all. Yeah. Know? You know? Open our brains up to some new stuff. Uh, is there anything that you wanna tell us, like that we didn't talk about or anything that Oh, um two things. When I just wanna these are the things I'm talking about right now that I'm promoting. But Chell's writing for No Kid Hungry for Chef Cycle in September. Um, and he is raising money to do the bike ride. It's 300 miles. It's crazy. Oh, my, oh my gosh. gosh. Has he done anything like that before? He was a bike messenger in New York. Oh, forget it. Yeah, yeah so he's, like, <laughs> good at riding bikes. But um, he's been training. He's, like, super into it. I know he'll be great. But um, I do have links to his page, too. Um, awesome. So donate, and I am doing a series of cookouts this summer <gasps> where we're going to just bring the kudu up to Metzger outside. Chell's going to DJ. And we're just going to clear out all the tables and have a fun cookout party on Mondays. I think it's like the third Monday of each month of the summer. Excellent. So people when does can, it start? Um, June. June. So people can look for that. And speaking of that, where can they follow along on the adventures of Brittany Anderson? Ah, um, I guess my Instagram, um, Brittany Anderson. I think that's what it is on there. And um, Are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter, Gritty Britty. But I don't tweet much. I don't really. I like write stuff and delete it. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah. So many people. So I know. Many people. Yeah. And then also, um, Indie Chefs Week is coming to Richmond um, in August. Wow. Yeah. So cool. it's gonna. We're gonna host it at Brenner, and it's twenty four chefs from across the country. And I'm really excited about it. Wow. Um, and really, so where do we learn about that? Just it hasn't been announced okay. yet. But, uh, <laughs> it's we'll okay. Have to edit that out. Um, we're gonna. It'll. It'll come out um, soon, and they'll be selling tickets. And uh, it's three nights of dinners. So the first night is twelve chefs. The second night is twelve chefs. The third day we're off and we all hang out and I show them. And this that's town. how that's how it works, oh, right? Fun. Yeah. So I'm gonna I have some fun things planned for them and um, really show them Richmond and what we're about. And then on Sunday, all twenty four chefs they collaborate on a dish that they work on that weekend. And so it's a really neat opportunity for I think people in Richmond to try food that isn't here and yeah. some really cool chefs are coming. I saw so. your adventures in New Orleans, right? Was it New I Orleans? was in New Orleans. Olivia went with me. Mm-hmm. So that was really fun. And that, that was also Indie Chefs Week, yes? Yep. That's, that was my third. I, yeah. I've done three so far. And um, I, I don't think I'm allowed to go on it. <laughs> so ex- explain what it is really. Briefly. Oh, so Indie Chefs Week is just, it's um, uh, kind of a, an amazing weekend of chefs coming together to meet each other to hang out, to collaborate. collaborate and learn. And it's been some of the things I've learned through Indie Chefs Week are just like dumb stuff that you wouldn't think, but like business things. Like, oh, how does your restaurant want, run? Like, oh, what is your labor like? You know, stuff like that. And just being able to talk to people that you don't often get to um, and learn technique from. Like, 
The, the lineups are crazy. It's wow. really, really cool chefs. Thank you. Hey, yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. This, this has like been so... I mean, I knew I liked you, but now I like you more. <laughs> I know. I'm glad we like already are friends and we had a lot to talk about. So. Yeah, you being our very first guest is just extra special. Oh, thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Richmond Famous is edited and produced by us, Nicole Lang, and Laura Sant. Our theme song is Funky Virginia by Sir Guy. Please rate us and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us at richmondfamous.com and at rvafamous on Instagram.